What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with yes, your sir. hosts, Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We have an awesome guest, one of my closest friends of all time, and probably the first person on the podcast we can introduce with a single word, Deviant. Yes. Longtime friend. Also, he is the author of Practical Lockpicking. He literally wrote the book on lockpicking. Also, <laughs> author of the physical pen testing course and one of the best teachers and speakers I've ever met in my entire life. Also, the director of education for the core group. Amazing. So, so many things. Welcome right to the on. show. Thanks so much for having me. Right on. It's yes, good to indeed. see you, man. Yeah, good to see you too, man. How, how long has it been since we saw each other? Oh, man. We saw you last back east. So when you moved out here three years ago, four years no, ago? No, I moved out here a year ago. Okay. I moved down you south. You moved out south. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, so it'd been, it, it, at a minimum two years. It's been a couple yeah. years. It's been it a minute, been a man. While. Yeah, I miss you. Yeah, I miss <laughs> you too, man. You know, it's funny because I show people you're, you're speaking all the time. And in fact, I would say out of most people, I would say I look up to your speaking the most and wh where I'm trying to get to eventually. But uh, what would you say was the, the most pivotal thing that, that made you a, a good speaker? Learning to be a teacher when I was young. I got a job right around sort of that dot-com era mm -hmm. when, when like building websites was a viable career. Yeah. So I was at an educational facility that was like job retraining mm. for adults who had lost their, you know, long, like back when you would have a long-term employment. And if an, like an airline went bust, TWA went out of business. We had a bunch of like TWA employees that were like came to learn computers because they would learn how to do Microsoft Office stuff. And this was right around the time that like websites were a thing and that the owner knew that I could make websites. I made the website for the school. He's like, man, if we could teach people that, that could get them jobs. And I was like, all right, I've never been. A t I was just a tech guy at the school. But I started this program for like, here's how here's how like Dreamweaver works. That's how old this is. Wow. You know, yeah. this is this is Photoshop. But. I, I, you know, I was a 20-something kid, and I'm teaching 40- and 50-year-olds who are, like, looking at me, like, how is this valuable to my life? So if, you, if you're just laying down bullshit, they're going to they're gonna not listen to you in a heartbeat because right. you're young. It's a newfangled field. But if you can actually be engaging and inspire the audience and have a through line that anyone can follow, uh, you can bring all kind of different diverse and older audiences with you. Yeah, so you are a household name for sure in cybersecurity and you know, lockpicking and everything. But for the folks that don't know you just yet, like how did you get to where you are today? Like what's your story? So it's the, the one-liner that we give is like some of the right friends, some of the wrong friends, <laughs> which is kind of like kind of true. Right. A lot of us came from a background where we weren't criminals outright, but not everything we did was legit as kids. You know, if we, if we were the kids who were exploring places we weren't supposed to go, uh, there's a natural inclination to be curious about locks and lockpicking. And I was somebody who, you know, it was hard back back years before people were really talking about it at hacker cons. There were like kind of old texts on servers and on BBSs about lockpicking. That was about it. There weren't really books. There weren't resources. So you, it was all very self-taught. Yeah. But yeah, I came out of this world where in the hacker world, like lockpicking is this hobby that people would kind of do but not talk about. And I was just fortunate enough to be getting into the con scene when people started to like think this is an okay thing to talk about. So yeah. the very first Shmoocon, I gave the, my first talk ever, which was a lockpicking talk. And I gave talks at DEF CON, and it just, beyond beyond that, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And what's the, the, the talk that you always kind of refer people to for, for Deviant? So I don't know what was the title of it. I, I, I don't even think I, I have one in 
mind to when I send people. But anytime he talks, it's it's perfect. So, for instance, like we might as well get to it right now. <laughs> so we did this challenge, and one time we were all sitting at a at a crab boil. And I was like, man, you know, I want to challenge you. I want you to talk about Kleenexes for the next five minutes. And not only did he do it with no breaks, no ums, no none of those, he actually made it super interesting. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? So actually, I, I want to do that right now. We're, we're not oh, going to do damn. five minutes. We're not going to do five minutes. We're going to put you on the spot. And we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about something like, you know, Kleenexes because I think everybody would get bored. But I, I did want to ask you. I'm going to give you a scenario, okay. and I want you to explain to us what you would do from a, uh, a physical perspective to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. So you have a house. There are zombies everywhere. Running zombies. Kind of like not, World War Not Z. shambling zombies. No, not shambling oh, zombies. All right. And the zombies have a very minimal ability to pick locks. Okay. How do you protect your house? So instantly we're going to have to ask – is the house exclusively protectable with locks? Because things like windows, for example, windows, a shambling or running zombie can pick up a rock, smash the window, yep. and how good the locks are. Lo zombies, much like crackheads, not a whole lot of difference there, <laughs> aren't picking locks. They're getting into our homes and businesses by brute force means or by bypassing. So instantly right there, I'm going to find fault with the premise of the question. Oh. I would, if the zombies can't pick locks, quite frankly, I would put on whatever locks I can get en masse, like by, what, go to the local Home Depot, because that place is abandoned now, obviously, <laughs> get a bunch of the same standard Schlage lock, just so there can be one key for the whole house. Mm -hmm. And anyone, because I'd want all my friends with me, defense in depth, more, more minds, more, more perspectives, mm -hmm. everyone can have the same key. And we can make more of the same key with a little pack-a-punch or something. So simple key to like, that handles the house if the zombies can't pick it. I'm more interested in things like standoff distance because if the zombies get close to the windows, if the zombies start climbing up each other to the rafters to the next floor, I don't really think that the locks, much like in the real world, the locks aren't entirely what protect you. Right. So I would say I'm looking more for plywood than I am for steel and pins and tumblers. Yeah, I didn't put the premise that they had to be locks, but... I think you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically a moat. Oh, man, a moat or a get gasoline moat, frankly. Oh, what's a, what's a gasoline moat? It's a moat full of gasoline. You light, <laughs> you light that shit on fire when you need to. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. So what if, what if it was the other way around? You need to, you're the zombie. You have the lock-picking abilities. What would keep you out of the house? How could these zombies keep themselves safe from your lock-picking abilities? So <laughs> there's an old adage. In fact, it's an adage in the service, right? Any obstacle that is not adequately covered by fire is not an obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you have a moat, if you have doors, if you have anything else, as long as anybody can stand there and interfere with or scramble around that, that obstacle, it's not much of an obstacle. Right. So I would honestly ensure that I and my compatriots were able to prosecute any targets that we needed to <laughs> before they got up to the house. That's awesome. So, so that gasoline moat will go a long way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so for everyone that's listening, we actually have some uh, tools on the table from Deviant's profession, honestly. So explain exactly what you do for a living. Sure. Yeah. 
So I am a physical penetration specialist. As uh, as one production company swore that I was not, they were like, "We can't bill you as that on the screen." I was on like MythBusters once, and they were yeah, like, yeah. "We can't put that on the screen. What's your actual job?" I'm like, "No, physical penetration specialist." It like, <laughs> like bumped with legal, right? But yeah, they. So yeah, we as as you well know, this cat was on our covert entry team for I years. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So little known fact. <laughs> we, yeah, we we teach people how to bolster their security by showing them how bad their security is if they hire us to do that for the for the boomers watching if the the movie sneakers in 1992 with robert Mm -hmm. redford city poitier the late river phoenix you know we break into places to show people how to secure their places and it's a it's a great gig it's really fun sometimes it's just an evaluation an assessment where you're escorted and you're walking around with them, and you're like, okay, this is kind of wrong. That door doesn't look good. You want me to show you this? And then you, you take something out, and you show them, like, okay, this is bypassable, or this lock, I can compromise it through X, Y, Z. And sometimes you're not escorted. Sometimes it's a full-on adversarial simulation where mm-hmm. the, the, the boss and the boss's you know, secondary person, they know you're coming, but no one else at the, in the org knows you're coming. And you try to get in and get out without getting caught. Wow. How cool is that? So, like, what's so funny is uh, when I – I, I've done some some cool things in my life, and that I'm very proud of. But one of the coolest things is when they said that I was like a part of the team, and I literally like mm-hmm. that night watched sneakers again, and I was like, I got shivers down my spine because I, I felt like I was part of something super awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I wanted to to ask you about, and this is me personally interested, is the the concept of rapport mm-hmm. when you're actually doing stuff, when when you're actually having to engage people that don't understand that you are actually trying to gain them to actually get into the facility. Yeah. How important is rapport and what are the quickest ways you have used your skills to actually gain it? Yeah. So I almost want to flip the notion to there's a buddy of mine. In fact, speaking of the gasoline moats, he has a YouTube series where he and his friend shot flaming arrows to light a pool of gasoline. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, so his name is Brian. He's down in Texas, Brian Brushwood. And he got his start as kind of a performer magician, like a street music magician and, and a bar magician. And in, in magic, there's like you've got an opener, you've got a little in-between moment, and then you've got what your actual goal is. And the way he describes it, the opener should always be quick, engaging, and you don't want something from the person. You want to just get their attention, but you don't. It, you can't be like, "Hey, let's do a card trick," and you know, and you need pick a pick a. Then you're like, "They're like, oh, you're bothering me. What are you?" Instead, an opener should just be no demands on them, but they, huh? It's a little head turner. Now you're engaged, and then you're kind of innocuous, 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 and then once you've got them tracking with you, then it's all right. Deliver me. It's sometimes in sales, in sales or in customer service, they call it pace and lead. Yeah, you have to pace before you can lead. Right. So. Establishing that rapport in a way that doesn't immediately sell you as I need something from you, whether it's I need you to go away or I need you to let me in here. None, that's that's not your opener. Your opener is something mundane like, uh, did they change the coffee recently or this seems a little different to me. Right. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Susie uh, was recently in Guatemala and like this. It's like, oh, man, I'll have to send when when her birthday card comes around. I got to put an extra gift card. This is really nice. So, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And. And then, you know, before you, maybe they didn't change the coffee. Who knows? And things like elevate, the elevator hacking. Yeah. Like the elevator thing is, you know, like, oh, man, these elevators, I heard they're really running slow. And, you know, we're, we're going to try to service that. And you're just in the guy. I'm, I'm an elevator technician, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. well, we're here to make these elevators run a little faster. 
the elevators always run slow. Like, everyone doesn't like their elevators. So, right. But I'm not asking this person for anything. They're just thrilled that the elevator person is here. And then a f- couple minutes a set, you know, BS. And you like, by the way, so the elevator, I'm going to check the logs on the dispatcher. It's probably in the server room. Uh, if you Do you have, like, a wiring room or a server room around here? And they say, oh, yeah, it's over this way. You're like, all right, great, great. That'll actually make this go a lot faster. Yeah. Because you can't lead with that. Right. You, you just got you to build up. And most rapport, when you think of man on the street kind of thing, most rapport is mundane. Yeah. You know, just mundane talk. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, that boss is on my ass. You know? Right. Yeah. Would, you, would you call it small talk? or what would you Almost. Call it? Yeah. Just kind of people have lost that ability to, to kind of small talk, I think. I'm a terrible small talker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like asking deep questions, so mm-hmm. I can't be like, what is the meaning of life? Can I also borrow your keys? You know, <laughs> like that just doesn't work. Just blindly come to <laughs> you. Yeah. Are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost like when people ring your doorbell these days, it's like, who is that? Oh, right. my God, yeah. 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 You just Terrifying. hear the shotgun racking. Like, or like what? even answering your phone. Like I oh. n- if I don't see a number mm-hmm. that I recognize, right. no. you just never nope. answer the phone anymore. Not at all. Oh, I almost want to play it on air, but I got uh, the most awesome voicemail I've ever had just yesterday. So I was on the way back from RSA, and I I was like, I got a a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And so I I checked the voicemail, and this guy's like, hey, what's going on? I just wanted to tell you, I want you to make $10,000 in the next 10 days. And and listen, and you're going to make $10,000 every week after that and there's a lot of bs out there and i'm not bsing you but just call me back we'll figure this out you're going to make so much money i'm like are you kidding <laughs> like did the fact that you're like hey there's a lot of bs out there i i, I commend them for saying that but <laughs> you can't trust people these days there's a lot of people That's like crazy. me you're gonna watch them but so, i'm your guy mm-hmm. yeah would you say that it's it's harder now to build rapport with people because people are so digital these days like there's so much social media and that's how people interact initially and that you rarely just run into people and start a relationship would you say it's changed at all i would say especially on jobs where you're first digitally reaching out to people and mm-hmm. this like rob's rob's wife you know like when when she reaches out with these fake profiles it would be weird if your first like thing was a phone call, yep. but because we've pivoted to LinkedIn, we've yep. pivoted to social media, that it doesn't mean that it's harder. It means that you you're you have to evolve. Your process has to evolve, right. and that's why the work she does spinning up these fake profiles and having them having a bank of them because you can't have that profile. It was like this is created a week ago, right? So you got to have like rounds in the chamber, mm-hmm. and then she can be like, all right, this one, all right, I can. It's like pull this identity out of the drawer and dust yep. it off and fix it and connect to these people and then like that identity has to reach out because yeah, yeah if you're just that person like I don't know about anyone out there but nowadays as you said if, if I don't recognize the number that could be literally the hospital where my parents have just been taken and yep. they need my authorization for something I'll be like well right. I hope they unlock my mom's phone because I'm not picking up yeah you know I don't know what that is and and we are the data set we have every time every time you could be like oh I'm waiting for that callback about my car detailing and Oh, maybe it's like every time you answer the, the unknown call, it's never good. It's never right. something you want, which reinforces the fact that I will never answer my phone. Yeah. So that the phone, like that kind of the old way of connecting doesn't work anymore. you got to do this weird social media thing now. Yeah. How do you find out when uh, like your personas or even your tools get burned? Like how do you find out? Is it like typically on the job where you find out like, oh, I have to use this different set of like keys and tools? And what about also your, your social media personas too? Fortunately, I don't do much on the social media side. I don't I don't do the digital connections. I am the once we have a rough cover story that we've researched enough, we say, okay, we're going to go in as this this firm or 
I try to just be not noticeable. I try to just right. be very, very blah, like middle, like you know, <laughs> middle-aged, derpy-looking white dude. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm here to fix the elevators. Like, yeah. you can kind of get <laughs> if you're emotionally aware, you notice when people kind of are just dismissing you as not a threat. Yeah. Um, and that goes through, like, again, you're out in bars, you're out meeting people. Women are also very good at this because you can, you know, women immediately have to do that calculus. Like, is this guy about to be a jerk? Is this right. guy going to hit on me? Is this guy going to threaten me? Or is this guy, oh, he's waiting for his girlfriend. Right. Like, so learning how to read other people and read their small reactions, their body posture, uh, whether they're suspicious of you, whether yeah. they are. And it's never like a binary situation. It's never this person is like, I'm hitting the alarm. You can kind of read right. this person is like, this person's not feeling it. They're, yeah. they're not comfortable. And then if you exit yourself out, of, if you dismiss yourself out of that situation, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to hang on. This this is my boss calling me. And you can kind of, you know, check with you. Like, hey, I don't know if they're going for this. We might want to send someone else in. Yeah. Check with our contact. Did anyone report anything? If no one reported anything, all right, well, maybe we'll go back later. Yeah. Try the exact same story with a different employee, a different guard later. And you just kind of get that traction. Yeah, learning, yeah. even though we're all digital and online, like learning those human skills of does right. this person want to punch me? Does this person want to shake my yeah. hand? So I'm sure your, your awareness has gotten to the point where, you know, like in Mission Possible 1, where they had the sound and it was like yellow, red, toast, toast, right? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had those moments where you're actually trying to, to break into a place and you can see the alarms starting to, to warm up, right? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a story when you felt like it was about to hit the alarm and you like completely reverted it back over to green? <laughs> yes. Okay, let's do it. It's a Rob story too. Okay, yeah. perfect. So this was well into a job. We had a, we had a big job, a big client, a large technical installation. A lot, you know, it's, it's a data centers. We do a lot of data centers and big offices. So this was a large office and we're in the city. The first week in the city is just putting eyes on target. Just getting, you know, somebody sits in the parking garage across the street, goes up a few floors. Somebody else sits in the cafe, and they just sit there reading a book and just trying to get a feel for the building. When employees are coming in groups, when they're leaving, because you kind of tailgate in. Just kind of getting, all right, the posture of the building, okay. And we're like, this, this place is supposed to be kind of hardened, but I bet we can find ways in. And sure enough, we did. We found ways to get in. So... Mid middle of the of the the week, we're like, all right, we can do some. We can get up to the front of the building. We can try to install some sniffers behind card readers. No one's we're we're outside the building. We're on the structure, but no one's really coming out. No guards are running outside to like mess with us when we're like taking readers off the wall. Mm -hmm. We're like, all right, we got some. We got some traction here. And then next week comes. That's our penetration week. So we're following employees in. We're using copied badges. We're getting all around, and we still haven't really gotten caught to the point that. Towards the end of that second week, the client and the customer is like, hey, you got you to gotta try to go a little loud. Mm -hmm. We really want to see what some responses are. So, all right, we'll start, doing, start going loud, yeah. you know. And so, all right, you start leaving doors open, like opening a door without properly authenticating, trying to do like a latch slip, like a traveler hook. You know, you're like, yeah. all right, latch slip. And you know that that probably causes a, a door condition, an alert condition, because like there was no movement on the inside of the door. Why this door open? Right. And... Mm -hmm. Like nothing, nothing being logged, nothing happening. So we're texting the client. We're like, hey, man, like anybody, anything going on in the sock? Like, nope. Yeah. So the clients, can you go, can you like, you know, can you really just start doing stupid shit? <laughs> God, if I can swear on your podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're like, all right, we do stupid shit. Like, fine. So we were like, go to like a secure room and got in the room. And then we not only opened the door, set off a screamer, but I found a like a door wedge and I just propped the door open. 
and I had found caution tape in a janitor's office or some of the maintenance <laughs> area, and I just caution taped this door uh-huh. open. And the alarm's like going off because you can't prop this door open. <laughs> so, you know, again, like guards come in. They, later on, the after action, like guards came, they showed up, they looked at it, and then they scratched their heads because there's caution tape. Mm-hmm. Like, can I close this door? Can I not close this? They knew something was going on weird in the building. Now there's like alarms, places. At one point, the client said, go destructive. So Rob and I just drilled a door. Like, we took a <laughs> freaking hammer drill out, and we're just mid two in the afternoon. We're just. <laughs> <laughs> We're just destroying this lock on this door. Yeah. Again, like open it up, alarms everywhere. We're like, someone's got to respond, you know? Because the client, the client, our point of contact is in the sock, and he's really trying to give his team a win. He's like, hey, um, what's what's happened on the on the east entrance over there? What's that? Can you pull that up? Pull up uh, monitor seven. He's like, what's what's going on there? Are they? Because uh, Rob and I are in high vis, you know. We yeah. got hard hats. He's like, are we are we working on doors today? <laughs> and someone in the sock is like, uh, I saw a memo about that. I think I think we're doing doors. I think we're doing wow. Doors. Okay. <laughs> so eventually, eventually, we set off so many alarms that guards, you know, finally like, hey, Mobile One, can you go check out what's going on in the warehouse, like the East Warehouse or something? So on. And these two guards show up, and Rob and I have an underdoor tool. Yeah. And we're literally like. Like they come in and I'm like reefing on a door which I couldn't get <laughs> because it was just it was locked the right way. Yeah. And these two and we're like, all right, we're finally burnt. We're two guys standing there with a dumbass tool, and these guards are like, hey, can I, can I have you stand up for a second? What's? Wait a minute. <laughs> come here, please. And I'm like, yeah, what's what's going? On? And I'm looking at him. Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? He's like, hey, put put that down. And we stand there, and we're like, finally, finally, these these guys will have uh, caught us. He's like, I, I gotta ask. What are you doing? <laughs> and Rob, as he he'll tell you, he was like he's hand in his pocket, hand on the letter. He's like, all right, we're finally yeah. gonna finally gonna have to show our letter. And just as one of those like hail mary at the buzzer, I was like, what does it look like we're doing? <laughs> and instantly, the guy was like, well, it, well, it looks like you're trying to get through that door. And I see your badges, so you work here. And Rob, like, dropped the letter out of his pocket. He's, oh, <laughs> you know, wow. he's like, so, but I don't know why. Did you come through the, the fire control room? I was like, yeah, that was loud, that, that alarm we set off. He's, oh, he's, like, he's like, well, I see you got a radio, because Rob stole a radio out of a mm-hmm. truck. He's like, next time you can just you can just call for remote unlock. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, that would be way easier. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, Sock, this is Mobile 3. Yeah, I'm here with the uh, the facilities guys. Can we remote unlock door 216? He's like, okay. He's like, yeah, do that next time. That's way easier. You don't oh, have to do this. Geez. And we're like, oh, that's solid, man. Thanks so much. Nice. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that was that was probably one of those moments where, like, we are toast. Oh, we're not toast. No, yeah. there was no toast today. What does it look like we're doing? So, yeah. So why do you think, was it because of training? Was it because of, or you're, you're just, you know, not threatening target? What does it look like? It's a couple of things. Yes, training is one, like, a lot of guards are unfortunately undertrained, and that's just a, a perennial problem with guard forces. They're usually a third-party contractor. Right. A lot of these are younger people. Guards are, as Rob will often say, guards are either kids or they're lifers. They're right. either like retired cops yeah. or they're guys who, a lot of times guys just got out of the service. Yep. Uh, being a guard is a thing you can get spun up on quickly. And they haven't encountered. They're, they're used to, again, like they're used to the meth head trying to steal copper wire. They're not used to a guy, and someone who's a cop will tell you this too. There's a famous video of a conversation of a convict who had escaped prison. And he's talking to a sheriff who found him, like out 
in public. He he was like running down some train tracks, and there's dash cam footage. I think I threw it on my YouTube channel. This guy Richard Lee McNair, and he has like a ten minute conversation with this deputy. He's like, "Oh no, I'm on a roofing job. I'm staying with my buddy. No, I was just going for a run this morning. No, I don't have any ID." And at one point, the cop even said, because the cop's radioing in, he's like, yeah, you're matching up with this description. <laughs> he's like, well, no, I know you're not a criminal. You would have run by now. And I think there's that mentality of you would have run, you would have panicked by now. Right. And the fact that you're not panicking, and the person looks at you, and they're like, are you supposed to be here? Like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. You know, I'm bored. And, you know, as long as you're not panicking, it doesn't kind of send their, you know, response system into overdrive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're just like, well, he must probably work. He's just a boring guy wearing some slightly dirty coveralls. Right. <laughs> so confidence is huge. Oh, it's super huge. So how do you build that confidence? Because I'm sure when you first did your first engagements, and between then and now, it's like a complete difference in confidence, mm-hmm. right? So would you just say it's repetition or what else? It is. Anything's a muscle. You know, yeah. it's a muscle you work more. And people, there's that fear of failure. There's that fear of foolishness. Like, I don't want to let myself down I don't want to let the client down the more you like if that's the first if that was the first encounter we had the first time we walked into that building we would have been a little more jumpy and there's always that moment of commitment you know it from you know you you, the moment you slip that latch or you pick that lock and you cross into the threshold right and you're like I would have to explain myself right now I didn't when I was outside (laughs) I could have just been a lost guy but now I'm someone on your territory you get that endorphin hit you get that adrenaline rush and you're like whoo but once you get a few victories and you've proven to yourself that you're not full of crap and you know that you prove to the client you're not full of crap, you're like, all right, we had a lot of wins that week. That gives you that confidence to be like, oh, who really cares? You know? Right, yeah. If you're, you know, I used to rock climb when I was a kid and going for that weird like leap, like there's a precarious handhold and I'm going to leap for it, I might fall. But if you're on a belay system and you know you're not going to die, then there's no risk. And when right. there's no risk, it's like gambling with someone else's money. Right. You know, you can be like aggressive poker is winning poker. And if you're playing with somebody else's stack, you don't you don't have to look worried. They're not going to see your hand shake as you push all in because right. you're not freaking worried. Yeah. So do you think like all of these uh, engagements have really boosted your confidence in like just social engagements? I think so. Nice. I think so. And getting older has too because I oh, care about yeah. less stuff now. Like, <laughs> you know, I've I've dated all the people I want. I'm married to a beautiful person. I got the things I need. I'm I'm, I'm happy in life. Like. You know, look at someone like, you can't even hurt my feelings. Like, (laughs) I don't know what you're coming at me with, bro, but I don't care. Yeah. What do you like most about teaching? Because you're you're Mm -hmm. also one of the best teachers I've ever seen. Thank you. Thank you so much. In fact, that's when I met Deviant Mm -hmm. was I took the course, and for some odd reason, everything was just clicking. And and I hadn't done much locket picking before this. I had, like, some, you know, weird set, and it had a little wooden thing, and it had a little, you know— so I was just kind of tinkering around. But when I went into the class, everything was just clicking. And so I was, like, going through all these locks like like no joke. And he said, whoever gets through all the locks first gets the underdoor tool. And I was like, I got to get this underdoor tool. So I did it. I was like, yes, yeah, I'm a champion. And so I came up to him afterwards. I was like, hey, man, I, I, this is amazing. I want to do this. Hook me up. And, like, two months later, I'd mm-hmm. forgotten all about it. I get hit up from Bobic. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to be in your area. Let's meet up." And then I remember, I, I remember everything so vividly. And so I'm sitting in the living room, and he's talking to me about what the team does and all this stuff. It, it felt like I was in a movie, seriously. Yeah, man. But, but yeah. So, what do you enjoy the most out of teaching, and what are some of your your favorite moments? The older you get, the less 
you have the joy and fascination of learning something new. Mm-hmm. You can always, and you always should, for anyone out there who wants to stave off that Alzheimer's or something, you should always try to yep. keep your brain elastic, right? Yeah. Um, and learn something new. But we, you know, we get busy. And things that are mundane to us, in fact, like lock picking is, is mundane at this point. Like, right. I still, I enjoy seeing obscure locks. And a, f- a friend of ours, uh, he's got a big YouTube channel, Lock Picking Lawyer. Mm-hmm. He has a really extensive collection. So I'll watch Lock Picking Lawyer. I'm like, oh, look at that. It's crazy Russian padlock. That's neat. But again, it's like that's the about the maximum I'm gonna hit my own endorphins on. I'm like, oh, it's neat. But if I'm teaching other people, I get to have that dazzling wow moment that I don't have anymore inside of me. I get to have it in my life, right? Because I get to watch all these people experiencing the wow moment that I had years ago, that I can never reclaim for myself, but I can experience it in others. Wow. What's the youngest and oldest that you've ever taught? Oh, man. So youngest is going to be around eight, uh, eight or nine in some of the lockpick villages and some of the when Tool, that Tool is with three O's, Tool, the open organization yeah. of lockpickers is a nonprofit where I'm on the board. And we teach at a lot of family focused events. There used to be, I think it's defunct now, but Maker Fair, Make Magazine and Maker Fair. We used to teach at Maker Fair and people would bring their whole families and you see little kids trying to figure it out. And that they're great little little kids. Like the joy, like if you watch little baby, you raise babies. Mm-hmm. Joy and laughter is it's it's built. In, we are built to learn. Yeah. And if they learn a new thing, like the Jack in the Box, and they because our bodies deliver neurochemicals that are like pleasurable if you learn a new thing. Yeah. So li- watching little kids learn is great. And so yeah, eight or nine, I'd say is is on the low end. And. For old, I'm trying to remember. There, there have been some grandparents. People have brought <laughs> their parents and grandparents to some lockpick villages. There, yeah. we'll call them pensioners and retirees. Most yep. definitely, no yeah. one's too old to learn. Absolutely. Uh, if, as long as it's new to them, yeah, it makes it fascinating. Yeah, right. I, I yeah. taught General Alexander. Yeah, I don't think I ever told you that. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Yeah, you remember I had a whole yeah. little setup <laughs> at, at IronNet. Mm-hmm. I think you you helped me get beyond just like that basic. Uh, first lock it was like the, like a one pin it was like yeah. three pins oh, yeah okay. three yeah. pins like i think you were like all right there's a lot of techniques and it depends on what tool you want to use mm-hmm. right so i think like you you definitely like carried on that that knowledge and taught a lot yeah it was fun it's funny you know it's a quirky thing to to, to set up a whole station at yeah. work you know just a just a conversation starter does your and daughter I, lock pick no i haven't taught any of them that yet we're, we're still playing with just tech in general just to get them interested but I'm I'm waiting for that spark of curiosity. But yeah, I, I would love to teach him. Nice, nice. So one thing that I also want to talk about mm-hmm. is where do you go from here? So it, it it seems like you have one of the best lives out there. You're doing what you love. You're traveling around. You got a beautiful wife, and you guys are making memories together. Mm-hmm. What what do you do now? Like what what is on the forefront of your mind? I'm doing it. Like I'm yeah. there, I'm, I'm doing it. It's the, I want to do it until I've made enough in, you know, savings for retirement that I can come in like four days a week and then like three days a week. And then kind of, uh, the, you know, so you, you might know another Chris in our lives, Chris Nickerson yep. uh, of Lara's, of course, like uh, it's been a joy to see like Chris and Amanda are very good friends of Tara and I, they were in the wedding and all that. But like to see him, like dude can never stop. He, he will he is he is like this flame that will keep burning until it consumes him. Right. But he understands that he has to be like, all right, I can pass this off and come in like four days a week. And then I can come in three days a week. And then hopefully, there's some people that always need a new endeavor 
I'm I'm not that person. I don't know if he he might be that person, but my dream looking at him would be like, why don't you just go and ski? Just yeah. go go ski and mountaineer with Amanda. Just like go travel, go right. to Japan, yep. go to whatever you want to do. And that's like that's a friction point, not a friction point, but that's a difference between Tara and I. Yeah. My wife Tara, you know, I'm never we're gonna retire. I'm like, why, 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 <laughs> why would you not? Yeah. We don't have kids. We're just putting money into a retirement plan. Just if if I had all the money in the world. And I knew that the business was like running. I don't want to leave anyone in the lurch, right? You don't want to leave your buddies behind. But if if I just knew everything was fine, I would travel to a different city every month and eat in five to ten different restaurants every you know trip, and just go to Universal Studios twice a year and go to Vegas twice a year and just hang yeah. out, just hang out. But I say that as a person who's working. Right. Maybe if I was retired and doing that, I'd do it for like a year and a half and be like. I gotta do something. <laughs> so maybe I maybe I'll feel that way that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's next is just keep growing. So our new core group is still core group and will always be the, mm-hmm. the main consulting arm. Our new division is Red Team Alliance. Is what we've moved most of our training to. Right. Yep. Because core group and a firm called Red Mesa, which uh, a buddy of ours drew, he had some subject matter expertise in other areas that we didn't have quite as much of. He's very much on the RF spectrum. He's the, he's our radio guy. He's our camera guy. He does a lot of our, we have a whole surveillance class that we built with Drew. So we put our companies together just for training purposes. Yeah. And that's Red Team Alliance. So that's taken more and more of our schedule every week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you still have Red Team Tools as well? Yeah. That's, again, that no one expe- like we're not salesmen right like right. you'd have at the end of every class students would either have broken a tool and we're like oh it's, don't worry about it we got a couple extras for you and they're like yeah i'm, I'm going to i'm going to break that again though can i can i get like can i get another one <laughs> or they would say hey i've heard of this thing and i can't buy it cuz they you know it's like restricted tool i don't know what to do so we're like all right well if you email us uh, we can we'll like sell it to you we'll we'll figure something out right and after enough times of like the thing where you throw something in an envelope and you're like handwriting, you know, bullshit. Like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. So we created Red Team Tools just mostly as a way for, it's the stuff that we use in class mm-hmm. and the different trainings. If a student needs more of it, we don't have to like manually like lick envelopes in our house. It's just, it's a fulfillment. Here you go. But yeah, Red Team, just today, Red Team Tools went ex- exploded because somebody did a YouTube video about, it was actually a lockpicking lawyer. They did a uh. YouTube video about the little ESP key wireless mm. sniffer, the, yeah. yeah, the credential sniffer. And sure enough, like 27 orders, like as of this, as of this moment, it just went out today. Wow. Yeah. And I couldn't do that crap in my house. Like I'm here. I'm here. I want to be here with you. I don't want to be in my house, like stuffing envelopes. <laughs> so it sounds like you have a lot of endeavors, a lot of little, you know, uh, projects going on. Yeah. Uh, so how many would you say that you're involved in right now? What is, what does it day to day look like for you? Let's see if I had to, let's just think about places that would get mad at me or things would go wrong if I didn't reply. Because as you know, the, the more professional you get, your life is basically just email. <laughs> yeah. It's email and like responding to messages on yep. platforms. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I could, I'll connect you with this person. You need this person over here. So we have core group. We have Red Team Alliance for training. We have Red Team Tools, which mostly Robert runs most of that, yep. but I have some visibility in there. I'm on the board of Tool with three O's, the nonprofit. I do a lot of private speaking or if I get invited, like just a couple weeks ago, actually, no, it was last weekend. I just came shortly from, there was a bunch of firefighters and first responders and they're not exactly, 
you know, firefighters aren't going to come and pay multiple thousands of dollars for a week-long class. Right. But if I can show up at a firehouse and talk to them for an hour and be like, here, look, this is there's how you slip your way into a building kind of quickly. And we're actually building out a small, like, couple hundred dollar class just for first responders only. Right. So, like, doing some private speaking, that's a, that's a huge thing for me. Just YouTube, like... It's funny how demanding people get. If you skip a week, your viewers they'll they'll let you oh, know. They, they like, do. They'll let you know. We, like, we took what a, happened? We took a bit of a hiatus over the the winter break, and I, I was getting the messages for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know you do YouTube, mm-hmm. but you have the gift of gab. Why not a podcast? There's no reason I couldn't do a podcast. I guess I would need. Now, are we going to get all into the weeds? Like, do you produce your own podcast? We do. do. You, yeah. Okay. From beginning to end, and we do it all ourselves. Man, it's getting better. Getting if there better. Was, <laughs> if there's a turnkey solution out there that, like, I could just talk for a while and then dump the raw to somebody else and be like, "Here, can you make this all pretty and like sound good?" Oh yeah, there are companies out there that yeah. will do it. Maybe you, I would podcast. It, I'd yeah. much rather just come on other people's podcasts. Yeah, so, you, you have. Yeah, we actually just had uh, Chris Hatnagy on. Yeah, that yeah, was a good time. He actually just had his his event his, in Florida. Yeah, yeah, he just I did. know. Yeah, and, good and for him. And another boy from Core Group. Which one? When we were at uh, Black Hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely had Rob one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you reshared that on YouTube. Thanks yeah, for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah of thank course. you. Appreciate yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and definitely want to say congratulations, Rob. Just got married. You know, super proud of him. Mm-hmm. We love you, and we got to get together soon. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, Deviant, appreciate you coming on to the show. I couldn't – I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for my career, just me personally – and just you know, just taking time out of your busy schedule because I know you're a busy man, just to come and chat with us on the on the podcast. But for folks that want to stay up to date mm-hmm. with what you do and and all that stuff, what are some ways people can do that? So I am not social on a lot of the platforms. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on LinkedIn. I'm not on like Instagram. Even though I'm a big gun guy, you'd think I'm supposed to be on Instagram. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm pretty much only on Twitter. In fact, that was a conversation with one of the firefighters recently. He was messaging. He's like, "So is Twitter all you have?" Because, and I was like, "Do you mean like for validation and fulfillment?" Because like, yes. But yeah, so I'm Deviant Olaf on Twitter, yeah. not remotely spelled the way it sounds. They'll drop a thing. On yeah, the, we'll drop. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter, or just you know, if you Google Core Group or Red Team Alliance, that's a pretty reliable way to find us, and you know, come join us in a classroom. We'd love to have you. Yep, and we'll drop your uh, YouTube stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. I for, I keep forgetting I'm on YouTube. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not like my jam. Tara yeah. looked at me one day. She was in. You know, we're laying in bed and we're kind of like just you know going to sleep and I'm checking Twitter because that's all I have. And she's like, <laughs> "Wow, your YouTube is something." I'm like, "My YouTube? What do you mean?" She's like, "Check the comments." <laughs> she's like, "You have fifty thousand followers on you." I'm like, "No, I don't." What are you looking at? She's like, "No, you do." I'm like. Who the hell wants to listen to my <laughs> dumbass on YouTube? A lot of people. Yeah, apparently. So, yes, I am on YouTube as well. Okay, drop them a comment. Yeah, <laughs> I do read the comments. I respond. Nice. Thanks again, and we'll see everybody next time. All right. All right.